0: And welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you in the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, you made your return to the stadiums with your son, Alex, last week. I want to get to that in a minute, but tell me how you're doing, man. I'm doing great. It's Masters weekend. It's... Phillies started hot. I'm so trying not to make the jokes that we made in the pre-show. So <laughs> <Go>
1: <laughs> those ahead. of you who weren't. <laughs> no, no, we can't. We're not going to
0: talk about it <laughs> pre- show. for your own benefit. Jeff has tried to embarrass me for the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I will deal with that and we will go on with an entertaining show. And Jeff will just giggle to himself like a little child for most of the show. which Just you can't like be- you being home. Because he's on camera. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. So let's talk about it. You were in the stadium last weekend. You did a doubleheader on Saturday and Sunday. You did the no, Phillies. on Saturday. Saturday. Uh, it was all in one day. All in one day, back to back. Man. You did the Phillies on Saturday in the afternoon, yep. and then the Sixers on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Tell me about each experience being back in the stadium, then we'll get into talking about how the teams are doing as well.
1: Better food at, this, at the baseball game, first of all. Um, no, uh, go, being back at a baseball stadium. Sitting in a ballpark, smelling the the smells of hot dogs and peanuts and things like that, hearing the buzz, watching the game, everything about it was there. And all it did was remind me. And this is not political, so don't roll your eyes. It, th- this is this simple for people that are listening. All you had to do was put on a mask and wash your hands, and you could be like, be back to a lot of normal. That's what I realized. I, there was no difference between me being there two years ago and being there Saturday other than I had a mask on.
0: And that was pretty cool. What was the atmosphere like to have fans in the stands? Uh, I know that they've keep increasing the numbers of people there as the days and weeks go by. Uh, tell me about, you know, where you sat, uh, what it was like around you with other fans there uh, for me as a fan who hasn't been in the stadium, but is watching it on TV. Mm-hmm you don't realize how much you've missed the fan reaction until you get the booze randomly for no reason that you didn't have.
1: Okay. So there was, there was, we we were in the, we were in the hall of fame club and there was, um, first of all, the 8,000 plus that were there sounded like 45,000. Okay. I mean, you could tell no difference. People were that loud. Now there was a group right by us that clearly should have been cut off at some point. (laughs) But what was entertaining about them is they were convinced because there was only 8,000 people there that even though they were in the Hall of Fame club past third base, that they were in the head of the pitcher of the other team. And every time a new pitcher came in, they had research so they could make fun of these people's spouses, parents, minor league affiliates, and, and for some reason... They were
0: convinced that they were in the head of the pitcher. So what was more entertaining for you, the people you watched trying to do this or the game itself? (laughs) The game itself.
1: After a while, I became a little old to realize that that, that they didn't realize that they had no impact in the game. But it was a great game. And and Zach Wheeler looked like the Zach Wheeler that we thought he was going to be when we signed him. Not that he was bad last year, but forget his hitting. I mean, the hitting was an anomaly. The fact that he pitched that well coming out of the gate, I mean, and he's pitching again tonight. He was part of, we now have, I'm not going to exaggerate, but you have three, if they stay healthy, you have three really good top of the rotation starters.
0: Let's talk about that for a second. You mentioned that Wheeler will go again tonight against the Braves in the first week. Philly swept the Braves to open the season, took two or three from the Mets. Nola Wheeler and Eflin pitched 20 and two thirds innings, giving up just three runs. Giving 24 strikeouts and just one walk. Think about Only, that. It, 24 it, strikeouts and one walk. It's unbelievable. What if Velasquez was that fir- third starter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get to him in a second. I was texting up a storm when he came in to the yeah, game in relief. You,
1: you may not be my preferred person to make me blush, but I, but you're also not my preferred person, or anybody is for that matter, to in any way comment to me on Vince Velasquez. Okay, I, the, last, the last thing I want to hear from anybody else is the complaints that are already in my head as I watch
0: the game. <laughs> <laughs> you were the guy who said he'd be good in the bullpen, Jeff. <laughs> Reese he, he come, was brutal. He really was terrible. Four walks, four strikeouts. Uh, it was rough to watch uh, him. So how,
1: how long do you think they give him before he
0: ends up in the alternate camp? I think it depends what other arms do down in the camp that they see. I okay, think I there were good. other arms that they would have won, but I don't like Spencer Howard's going to come up at some point and they've talked about him being in that long reliever role. Right. Okay. Well, if he doesn't get his stuff together and Spencer comes back up, he could potentially be one of the guys. Yeah. But he's not the first guy I would call up. I mean, again, they only have,
1: I believe, one lefty in the bullpen right now. And you have another one that's at the alternate camp in Jojo Romero, his, who's proven that he can be a reliever. He's not a back of the line re- reliever, but he is a guy who would fit in the same spot that they were
0: putting Vince Velasquez in, and he's left handed. And, and by the way, you know, we talk about Velasquez. He's the anomaly right now. The bullpens had a hand in all five wins. They actually earned four, which is the most in the majors so far. They've picked up 22 innings in six games. That ranks seventh in the majors for opponents' batting average, sixth in on base percentage. They have the ERA is 13th with 21st in walks. That's only because of Vinny. He's the only one who's really well. Yeah,
1: but let's face it, there are some guys in this bullpen who have gotten out of jams that they created. And, Alvarado. and it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, he's one of those guys that you sit there and go, wow, he can he can paint the corner at 100 miles an hour, but then he can walk three batters in a row. And, and then then you have to hope he's going to strike somebody out again. He's, he's one of those guys that I just don't know if I can go through a whole season dealing with unless you're going to be ready to pull him. So, I mean, the bullpen looks better. I mean, it couldn't look worse, right? I mean, there was no option for They were the second
0: worst bullpen in the history of the major leagues. 2020 bullpen through six games, pitched 16 innings, gave up 26 hits, 22 earned runs, nine walks, 15 (laughs) strikeouts, and had an 11.88 ERA. The 2021 bullpen through six games, 22 innings pitched, gave up just 15 hits, uh, 11 less, 8 earned runs, that's 14 less, 11 walks, that's 2 more, 26 strikeouts, that's 11 more, and a 3.27 ERA, that's almost 8 points lower than last year. They could not have pitched worse than they did through that. Well,
1: actually, they could have. I'm looking at those stats. uh, Is it a typo that they only walked 9 in the first 6
0: games? Or is it just that everybody hit the ball before they had a chance to walk them? It could be a typo, but I'd say it's yeah. likely that everybody had the chance to hit before they had the chance to walk. One of the really bright spots in the bullpen, though, Connor Brogdon He's a trivia question, Jeff, right now. Yes, who's the yes. only pitcher in baseball with three wins in twenty twenty one. I believe he's only one of four pitchers ever. And then in the first six games of a team of a team season, he has three wins as well. He's the first Phillies pitcher to do it. He's the 13th pitcher in history to get three wins first six games. He's oh, okay. Give it up no earned runs, 17 strikeouts and 12 in a, in his last 12 and a 3rd third, third innings pitched. Uh if I would have dating back you, to last season. If he I would have told you on your bingo card that Connor Brogdon would be the bullpen arm that would be doing that, would you have guessed that? Uh, actually I would. You you know how I've kind of felt about
1: him. Like you, he's one of those guys that we've watched all since a ball um, who seemed to have the stuff to be able to fit into a, a, a bullpen like this. So, and I thought he had the mental makeup to do it. And so he's had time to develop the right way. And early in the season, he's showing that that coach Girardi can uh, have confidence in. Yeah. to me. The surprise though, is the, the happy surprise is Reese Hoskins. Though. I mean, if anybody would have told you that the be at the beginning of the season, that he would be doing what he's doing, including having six doubles, leading the majors with six doubles and the home run that he hit, and just looking very comfortable at the plate. Are you not breathing a sigh of relief that
0: Gabe Kapler didn't ruin him forever? Absolutely. Look, he has seven extra base hits this season. The rest of the Phillies roster has nine. <laughs> so, I mean, he's out there eight for 10 with four doubles. He's tied for Major League Baseball, scorching hot. Uh, you know, it's what you hope for, but you worried, wasn't going to come back after how much he struggled last year. Now, look, maybe he was hurt before that and that contributed to it. Maybe it was a COVID season, but he's definitely been productive and looking good. What's your thoughts on the center field matchup right now with Quinn and Hazley? Uh, you, you think they're going to keep it like that. You think Odubel ends up being up here at some point. Quinn has well, these moments where well, well, he struggles well, well, and then has a moment where he does something and I'm just not sure the patience level. If he didn't have the speedy head, they wouldn't have near the patience they have with it.
1: Why, but why you, why are you looking to rush O'Double up here? I mean, I, I wasn't that impressed with him in spring training. I know he got off to a semi hot start beforehand, but quite frankly, I didn't find him to be something that you just went, wow, I got to have him up here. As long as, as long as those two are healthy, I think what Girardi's going to do is he's just going to ride the hot hand, play the matchups in center field. You get good defense from both of them. And so if, if they're your eight hitter, any offense you're getting out of them, fine. I mean, if somebody dips below the Mendoza line, yeah, then I'd be worried about it. But otherwise, you have a good defensive center fielders.
0: And that's what you need with this team. Overall, just the start of the season, you have a better feel about this team. It could not last, but to start off five and one for players that had their confidence shaken last season with a manager that's good in a lineup that generally will produce and you're getting the pitching from your arms. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have probably asked for a better start to the season. Could you, Jeff? Well, you can ask for six and six and a half. You could. You could <laughs> be greedy like that. This, uh, this weekend, they got the series against the Braves. Zach Wheeler will go against Charlie Morton tonight. Eflin Again. against Ian Anderson tomorrow. And then Matt Moore against Drew Smiley on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. Oh, that's the wrong matchup that ESPN wanted, isn't it?
1: <laughs> right? Wow. <laughs> they could have
0: gotten Wheeler and Morton. Talk and about and getting <laughs> screwed get, in your Sunday Night matchup. They get Moore and Smiley. Here, here's
1: uh-huh. a here's a guarantee that when you see the promos for it this weekend it won't the promos for each team's player that they that they
0: highlight won't be the pitchers won't be more smiling <laughs> uh any final thoughts on the phillies before i want to ask you about the mets game yesterday if you saw it go ahead did you see the game yesterday how and no. the chaos that there was uh-uh. all right nope. so th- th- i think that this is the kind of thing that will drive you nuts you don't like the extra armor that Players wear and then, like, basically lay across the strike zone to leave no room, correct? Mm-hmm. That is a Jeff is right. that you are not a fan. So, bottom of the ninth yesterday, Mets had the bases loaded with one out. Marlon's pitcher throws what is a strike, it is over the plate. It may be a little bit high. Mets batter leans in with his armor on his elbow and it barely grazes the elbow. The ump is about to punch the guy out. For a strikeout, instead calls it a hit batsman, awards in first place, first base, the Mets first end up place. going on to win the game. Yeah. Um says he blew it after the game, your reaction. He blew it
1: after the game. The, the the umpire has discretion to say whether somebody leaned into a pitch, I believe. And if they have discretion, they should use it. And if the if they're going to have replay in baseball, why would that not be at the end of a
0: game to decide it? Why would that not be someplace that you would use it? We get 10 minute stoppages for like a ground ball that goes someplace. I couldn't believe they didn't review that yesterday.
1: Yeah. And I, I, you know, this whole thing about speeding up the game is not working. I mean, the Phillies had a game, uh, had a regulation game the other day that went over three and a half hours, and the announcers on the
0: game were really struggling not to make fun of how long the game was going. They were early on when it was like two hours in, and it was still the fourth inning. They were making fun of the game. Look, they were everybody's mm-hmm. trying to be Yankees, Red Sox. <laughs> they want to have four, four and a half hour games. Uh, well, we, we have, have one of the, we have one of those managers. So we do. As mm-hmm. we were getting off the air last week, we briefly touched on it. Um, Major League Baseball moved the All Star game to Coors Field in Colorado. We know now they had- home run derby. that that's what I'm talking about. You're going to see (laughs) some home run in the game. It'll be home run derby and actual home run derby. Yes.
1: Major league baseball. Do not put those balls in a humidor before the game. Have some fun with this. Just have baseballs and let them
0: hit at 500 and something feet in return. The governor of Texas decided he did not want to throw out the first pitch for the Rangers home opener, which had 41,000 fans in the stands. Who was he punishing? that, that that was a good question himself. I mean, they weren't going to be there anyway. So I mean,
1: they they were honoring him by giving him the chance to throw out the first pitch. So he doesn't throw it out. I mean, that's like a little kid having a temper tantrum for no apparent reason.
0: It it does show you though, you know, you see reports basketball next year is planning to have full arenas again. Mm-hmm. You see basically a full arena uh, a full stadium in Texas there we are moving in the direction of a majority of the fans being back in the arena. It seems. Well, is, is, isn't
1: it the heat that's now going to have a vaccine section or a couple of vaccine sections? Yeah. You'll get like
0: priority seating if you're vaccinated. So right. You better and and they will
1: be, and, and there'll be less. Uh, I think there's only going to be like a seat empty between each one. So there'll be more people in that section. Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's the way it should be. I mean, if you, if there's a way to safely do it, and everybody has the option to get vaccinated, then get vaccinated and do what I did, which is go to a game and enjoy yourself. And if you don't want
0: to do it, then fine. Don't go. Uh, you want to you move on to some basketball talk a little bit. You, the sure. other game you went to with Alex was the Sixers game on Saturday night, the return of Joel Embiid. Uh, how excited you were you that you had the ticket to Saturday's game instead of Sunday's game where Embiid sat and did not play? Uh, tell me about the atmosphere in that arena compared to the atmosphere at the Phillies game. And then we'll talk games and how the Sixers are. Well, it's
1: hard to compare the two because, because it's just a completely different sport. You're scoring all the time. There's not a lot of downtime. And the arena is loud and you had Joel... You would think Joel Embiid had been out for three seasons and was coming back the way people were treating him coming back. First of all, he didn't come out for the warm-ups. Did so that everybody? the buzz is going, where is he? Where is he? The team's out for warm-ups. And then, of course, he makes his own entrance and everybody goes crazy. And, uh, you know, he had himself a game. You know what's weird to me? I was thinking about this. Well, I... last year and the year before, we had multiple discussions about, Whose team were was the Sixers? Was it Ben Simmons' team or was it Embiid's team? Which one should you keep if you had to get rid of them? Is there anybody now that doesn't believe that Joel Embiid, this is Joel Embiid's team and he's
0: the integral part of it? Now, look, both players have played themselves into the roles that they have. Ben, look, some nights, Ben isn't even the second option anymore. He's well, for, What, for scoring? He's not the fourth option for anything for he, you know, he, on defense, he's a first option with, with for a matchup, but anything offensively Tobias is your number two option. Seth Curry is an option before that. This is clearly Joel Embiid's team, but I think it's also as much about how Embiid has played uh, same as what Ben has done. Ben hasn't shown the leadership and he's had the opportunity to make this his team when joel hasn't played joel hasn't played back-to-backs all the time he hasn't played every game he had a time when he was out and there have been games that ben just disappears it's like the little homer simpson gif where he like hides back into the bushes into the shrubs yeah into the shrubs uh-huh. while it's going. like all of a sudden you know ben comes out and the thing that annoys me the most not even that he doesn't shoot threes anymore or even really shoot it's when he drives to the rim And he's right there. Like he's already through He's just got to drop the ball and he kicks it out to somebody because he'd like to get the assist. I don't, it, it drives me crazy.
1: Well, the other thing is, is he was a machine at getting triple doubles in the past. When's the last time that Ben Simmons
0: had a triple double? He's not scoring enough points to get a triple double.
1: Well, but he's also not getting enough assists or enough rebounds either he he's not yes he is really good on defense i keep hearing that he's one of the two candidates but him and rudy gobert for defensive player of the year great you have to play both sides of the court
0: and he's not playing both sides of the court and yet they're still 35 and 16 Mm -hmm. they're a half game back of the nets in the east who now get kevin durant back but and then lose James Harden. Harden for 10 games with a hamstring injury. The Sixers are seven and three in their last 10 games. They didn't have Embiid for all of it. So yeah, we can say Ben this and the team, this, the numbers show the team is still playing well, but it just seems like there's signs of concern there.
1: I don't know. I, I think the Sixers are set up for their playoff run. I think they have I think that Doc Rivers already has in his mind who the rotation's going to be going into the playoffs. So, well, I think Hill, I think they're kind of coasting at this point, trying to just get through the season and make sure that nobody gets hurt.
0: George Hill seems to say that he'll be a part of that for the playoffs, but oh, it wasn't well, th- well thanks like, for joining us. It doesn't sound like he might be part of much before that, Jeff, there's no timetable for him to play. He said he'll be back for the playoffs. Jeff, there's only six weeks left in the season. Yeah. So we talked I- about this in past years where, you know, and has been out, I, you know, he had the facial injury years ago and it's like, what team are you going to get? You didn't see the whole team play together. How do they work? Do they have a chance to gel? It doesn't appear right now that they're going to have the longest time to be gelling as a team in the regular season. They obviously made a calculated decision that they thought that George Hill would benefit them.
1: I think that decision was that George Hill would come off the bench, that he wasn't going to be a fifth starter. So there is this thought that they keep espousing that, don't worry, he's a veteran, we can just plug him in in the playoffs. You can't just plug somebody in. Yes, because he's a veteran, it'll give him less time to adapt and and be able to do it somewhat well. But you have to know your teammates. You have to know where they're going to pass the ball. A lot. Of, if you look at a lot of passing, it's because they all know where they're supposed to be. You can't just pick that up. No matter how old or smart you are, you have to go in there and as you as you and I saw when we did our little tryout, it, you don't know where you're going to be unless you're used to
0: actually doing it. Yeah, I'm a good example of that. Players waved Ignas You're welcome. We we refer to him as Iggy Uh, with the the Michigan Wolverines. I know you're mourning the loss of another Michigan Wolverine on the Sixers. Uh, Who are they going to try and get, Jeff? They've got a roster spot. It looks like Monday is the trade, or not the trade deadline, the deadline for people to be on a a team's roster to be able to. There's nobody
1: left. Who do you want? There's nobody left. Maybe Jamal Crawford still hasn't signed somewhere and he's 90 years old. I just old. wonder
0: if there's any buyouts you hear, like Otto Porter Jr. or somebody like that. It doesn't seem like they're going to get a big name, though.
1: They're going. No, with I, what I they think have. All, all, the, all the big names have been taken, half of them by the Nets. So the Nets bench is Blake Griffin and Lamar, Lamarcus Aldrich. And I mean, th- there are guys that w- could have been good to come here off the bench. But again, I don't think they're losing any sleepover. I mean, you heard Doc <laughs> Rivers say, great if they put they if we fill that last spot for this year super maybe we'll fill it for next year
0: you think the The Nets Nets end up actually playing together before the end of the season too same question we're asking about the Sixers the the Nets yes uh I, I my
1: prediction is they play one game if you're talking about the big three they play one game together which will either be the second or third to last game of the season and then they'll say we're good and then they'll take the last game off and then the playoffs will start
0: Sixers play Zion Williams and the Pelicans tonight at eight o'clock. Then they play the Thunder on a back-to-back tomorrow night. Looking forward to seeing who tries to guard Zion. Well, so for the first question is
1: which game is Embiid playing? Is he playing? He's not going to play in both. So which one is he going to play in? Which one would you play him in? Who's tomorrow night? The Thunder. I'd play him tonight. I The Sixers right. could beat the Thunder without Embiid, but I, Embiid would be better off playing. Plus. You know, Embiid and Zion Williamson in the same game is kind of a marquee matchup, even though they don't play against each other necessarily. Um, I just think that would be a better place to play him so that you could win both games.
0: Watching basketball out West at all, seeing what's going on. Denver out there. The Lakers seem to really be struggling. Drummond made his appearance, but they're still without LeBron and AD. Uh, any thoughts on what you're seeing out West? We talk about the East a lot, Milwaukee, the Nets. What, what do you, what else are you seeing? I'm thinking that that was a, sh- that was a veiled
1: shot at me being old. No. Yeah. I think that's good. Come on. You know, Jeff, isn't going to be
0: up at so one o'clock in the morning. to Here's watch the best part of shots <laughs> when you take them without realizing them. I was like legit asking <laughs> if you were watching the West coast teams at all, not, are you old and not staying awake? but you took it there so we can go there <laughs>
1: the best in my opinion the best team in the west now is the nuggets it, it, they are bringing in Aaron Gordon was a great move and if you look at the statistics for the nug the rest of the nuggets players since he got there the rest of the team's statistics are growing up everybody is getting better because they now have that complete team at least as their starting
0: five are you looking forward to the nba playoffs this year last year everything was different we were in the bubble we didn't know what to expect this year you're getting a full season you're seeing these teams play we, we headed to something good oh yeah well
1: it depends on how many people are healthy i mean that's the real problem look look out west you have you have Le- lebron and you have ad who are hurt um you here out here you don't know is just you just asked me you don't know how many of the big three of the Nets are going to play at a time. You don't know if Kyrene's coming to the game or he's not coming to the game on any given night. Um, Embiid, knock on wood that he stays healthy. What
2: do you but think about you Milwaukee? Him,
1: what about Milwaukee? They're the, they're like the forgotten team. It's amazing.
0: Should it, it, they be forgotten though? I mean, the, the big names are with the Sixers. At, like the attention has gone to the Sixers and the Nets, but well, Milwaukee is just kind of there trudging along. You know, you wonder if that's actually going to benefit Giannis.
1: Because there is this knock on Giannis about whether or not he can handle the pressure. There's and no pressure on him. Nobody ex- thinks they can win. They're no longer the favorite. There's there's nobody that thinks that Milwaukee is the favorite to even make the conference finals at this point. It's the Nets and the Sixers
0: that everybody, I think, expects to be the one and two seats in the East. Well, definitely something to watch. We always will have plenty of basketball talk on the show. Jeff, why don't we hit an early break so that we can come back and be ready for Sebastian Latou at 4.30 to talk a little soccer. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work.
1: They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why Elac and Local 825 are ready to get to work.
0: Jeff, here we are back. We'll keep the sports talk going. Do you want to start our soccer talk before Sebastian joins us? You want to talk some hockey and move off? There's so many sports. The Masters is going. I the, never know where the,
1: the go. proper question would have been. Do you want to talk hockey and jump off a bridge? <laughs> I mean that that would have been the appropriate question. All right, so let's talk some Flyers, 18
0: 15 and, and, and we. And
1: the disclaimer is, please, nobody jump off. No
0: Flyers fans jump off a bridge. Let's, yes, let's, we don't mean to make out. light of it, but um, they have lost two in a row, are three, four, and three in their last 10 games. They're now six points out of first place. Jeff, they've given up the most goals in the East at 141. Their goal differential is minus 25, and there is just one team in the whole NHL, the Ottawa Senators, who have given up more goals. Do you know they have not held a lead at the intermission in their last 13 games. So I ask you, should the Philadelphia Flyers be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? That's sellers. sellers. There's no question. What well, what what would buying do?
1: You could go out and get Connor McDavid, it's not going to save this season. Now, I'd want him. I want him for the defense. long term, but you are not going to save this season. With any trades that you can make under the cap, you just can't do it. So now you have to make the decision. You have to make the decision that a team that last year was the number one team in the East. Now you have to make a decision whether you dismantle or at least get rid of the veterans that you can get rid of.
2: So you look Is at
1: it, and you know the question that everybody then asks: Do you get rid of the darling of this organization and Claude Giroux if you can
0: get a deal for him? The people who say go for it. Okay, I'd yeah. like to point out. They're six points back with 17 games to go. Boston has two games in hand. Mm -hmm. If Boston went one game above 500, they'd have 68 points. For the Flyers to get to 69 points to overtake them, Mm -hmm. they would need to go 14 and three. Piece of cake. That's not happening. (laughs) Especially against the teams they have to play people need to put on some reality goggles and and see that this team is not what they thought it was at the beginning of the season, from the goaltending to the defense, to the forwards, they have not produced. So then you start to look through, okay, who's there? Who is even available to potentially move? You've got
1: 32 years of age on this team. You should be at least thinking about whether or not you're going to be
0: moved. You and I were looking at it before the show, and if we have to stop because Sebastian hops on, we'll talk mm-hmm. soccer and then we'll come back to this, you know, mid thing. But before the show, we were looking at it. The Flyers basically have three, four players total on expiring deals. Mm-hmm. Gustafson, raffle and Lawton would be desirable pieces for people making a playoff run, even though Gustafson's a turnover machine. Brian Elliott is owed 1.5 million dollars this year, and his deal's expiring. Those are the four players that you can move easily without long-term implications i think there's more than that i mean then I- you get into the core of the team where it's not quite as easy to move but you could so voracek okay you throw his name out there he's not going anywhere he's got a three-year deal worth seven million dollars a year Van, Ream, you think van reams or drew are the options for moving correct well, I think there are options. I mean, you have Van Riemsdyk,
1: who's got six million dollars this year, four million next year. You got Giroux, who's seven point whatever's left of the seven point two this year, and he's four million dollar base next year. They're both three thirty four years of age. Why not? Why Why not move them? Especially if they only have another year. If If Giroux wants to come back at the end of that contract, he can come back at the end of that contract, and this year he can go play for a contender. I don't know why he wouldn't want to do it either. It, it would benefit the organization and it would benefit him, except he's not going to be close to his house. And, and Elliot makes total sense. Elliot has played eh, relatively well, not great, but if you need a veteran goaltender as a backup, he's a cheap option.
0: Who's on an expiring contract. Why wouldn't you do that? Why don't we leave the hockey talk there? Let's move on. Talk a little soccer real fast, really excited to be joined by, Philadelphia Union legend and broadcaster Sebastian Latou. Sebastian, thanks for the time. How are you today?
2: I'm doing good. How are you doing?
0: We're doing fantastic. Soccer season's back. I, I wonder how excited you are. Jeff gets very excited every day for spring training and the first day of baseball. When you see stock, soccer start to kick off with the Union playing international tournaments and the season coming up, what's what's that do for you? Are you excited guy these days?
2: Yes, I'm very excited, especially uh, now with the good weather coming, you know, the season uh, this year started uh, a bit later, you know, usually at that time of the year, we are already uh, in season. So uh, I think yeah, everybody uh, is very excited and uh, I'm one of them.
1: You have, sp- you've said that your life has been soccer since you were 10 years old. Where did you get the passion that you have for playing soccer and continuing with that passion, even as your playing career came to an end?
2: I mean, uh, originally, you know, I am from France, so uh, soccer is kind of number one. You know, you uh, you play soccer every day at school. Uh, I got, you know, an older brother who kind of uh, bring me under his wing, and I used to, you know, be the goalkeeper for him, so he can take a shot at me every day after school when I was at home. So it's pretty much like the only sport we play, you know, in Europe. So it's something that uh, I kind of got good at it, and I just pursue, you know, my uh, my dream to become a professional soccer player and luckily you know for me it happened and after i just kind of like uh, get a a great career in the u.s and i fell in love with the country and uh, i just decided to stay here
0: you know your career with the union you got to make two stops here your first inductee into the union ring of honor first all-star representative what was it like for you to get to play in this city for these fans and then obviously get to stay around for your after soccer career
2: uh, it's uh, it's huge, you know, I'd never planned on that. It just uh, when I was, you know, playing for Philadelphia, I was uh, of the team, you know, in 2010, and uh, I had no idea what Philadelphia was about. And uh, kind of like the, the passion of the stand here, it's uh, it's something else. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a player who, you know, always will try to work hard, and I'm always honest, and uh, I never like you know to to don't leave anything uh, on the field so it's what I used to do and I guess uh, every fan here uh, was always very honest with me about how they feel about my performances and luckily for me uh, I got you know pretty good uh, games here and uh, kind of like uh, we we fell in love with each other and it was just a, a great fit for me and since then you know Philadelphia is kind of my uh, my second home now as somebody that's
1: come from europe and knows soccer in europe what was it like to, for you to play for the first time with the sons of ben
2: it's uh you know it's something uh like no there because i think in any sport you have especially uh in America, with all the sports you have, with football, baseball, hockey, I would say soccer. It's uh, in all over in the world, but in America too now. You know, we have a group of of fans and group of supporters, and Son of Ben was a uh, the big one uh, in Philadelphia. And uh, to play in front of them and just uh, see the passion and how like crazy they are. You know, every time I was lucky to score goals, and uh, you know, even if sometimes crazy against the referee when he was not picking call for us, it's uh, it's just an awesome support. You know, when you're on the field and uh, and. You hear them chant it just gives you the, the extra boost the extra energy to to run to run faster and quicker to uh, to score goals so i was very uh, very lucky to be able to play in front of them
1: you i believe your first game in philadelphia you had a hat trick and a three to two win could you have scripted a better <laughs> beginning to your career
2: <laughs> no, it's uh, it's uh, it's something like I always think about, and you know, it's uh, definitely my my best memory as a as a soccer player to just uh, play two uh, at the Lincoln Financial, who was you know the home of the Eagles. Uh, we kind of play our first game here in front of you know 40,000 people, and uh, uh, you know we won the game 3-2, and I scored those three goals. It was just uh, yeah something unbelievable that uh, every time let's say uh, I have a day when I'm not uh, as happy, I just think about that and it just puts. Uh, that's my back on my face.
0: Now, your passion for soccer obviously hasn't waned in in retirement, and between your post playing career in the broadcast booth and your involvement in player development, um, you're keeping busy. What are your thoughts on the player development success of the Union? Which it looks like we're going to see a lot more this year with young guys on the field.
2: Yeah, they are doing a, a great job, especially you know now since you know the team. Uh, is in the league 10 years, you know, it's not a lot of time, 11 years to kind of get an little academy and make players, you know, uh, progressing and growing with the game and with the city and be able to keep them, you know, playing for uh, for their team because uh, you can see a lot of American players, you know, try to go to Europe very early because, um, you know, the soccer over there, there's more money and it's more attractive to them. But I think uh, with now the experience we have from last year with uh, Brendan Aronson and Mackenzie, who... You know, sign a good contract from the Union to Europe. I think it's a it's a great uh, opportunity for all the young people to play here first, you know, kind of get a, a little of experience and, you know, keep progressing at the professional level before, of course, if they decide to, you know, keep progressing and they are very good here to play for a very good team in Europe. But uh, it's definitely a, a tremendous work everybody is doing uh, with the Union. But all over America in every team in MLS to create, you know, all those new young American players to be a, you know, a very good soccer player in the future.
1: You talked about the two guys that were the stars last year that left it to, to play in Europe. Who do you see as the next generation? Who are you excited to see come up from, from the unions program and Excel this season?
2: Uh, it's uh, it's hard to say because uh, like from last year they they signed I think uh, six or seven I don't even have the right number uh, for you but uh, it's uh, you know of course everybody talks about you know Aaronson's brother Paxson Aaronson who who is just 17 you know he's still very young but because of you know his older brother everybody is expecting him to be you know the next star so I would say we can look for him but there's a uh, you know Maglin who is another player at the number ten you know, the, you know always. Uh, make good number 10, like Aronson, who can be maybe the, the next player as well. And after, you have, you know, the, maybe the generation who was a bit older than them who signed before, like Matt Real and Anthony Fontana, who already got some games with the team last year. But I, I feel like maybe this year there might be uh, more playing times. And, you know, if they take their opportunities, they can maybe uh, become the, the next uh, young player that the f- formation of the academy, you know, did and, you know, go to play in Europe.
0: I enjoy getting to see you on the the pre and half and post show. What's it been like for you with your post career as a broadcaster? What's that experience been?
2: It is uh, it is very different. Uh, I really enjoy it because uh, you know my heart is in Philadelphia, so I always love to uh, to talk about the game and talk about the Philadelphia Union because uh, I want them to do well. So I'm a kind of a, a fan as well too of the team. So it's very easy. It's just uh, you know to adapt uh, from playing to uh, and entering you know interview to just. Talking on TV and sometimes of you know the producer uh, in your ear telling you, you know uh, you have not a lot of time to talk about something uh, for me, you know speaking English as my second language it's, uh, it's a little bit hard because at the beginning uh, you I try to always uh, speak very fast, so uh, <laughs> it was just an adjustment for me to always uh, try to calm down and uh, speak slowly so everybody can understand me. Especially, I know I still have an accent. I'm working on it, but I feel like it's going to be uh, here forever.
0: Well, sounds like you're doing great with that. I did have a question. You're doing better than Jason. Yeah, you're doing better than me. And yeah. Yeah, it's my first <laughs> language, so don't, don't worry about it. Jeff can't understand me on a regular day. Uh, you know, it was great to see the union get a, a CONCACAF win the other night. They played against Saprissa. Jim Curtin earned his 100th major league uh, career win in soccer uh, as they go one nothing in the round of 16. What was your thoughts on Coach Curtin and the success that he's had with this team as somebody who's seen him on all different levels?
2: I mean, you know, be able to uh, talk about Jim, is, it's nice because I, I knew him, you know, since he was an assistant coach, you know, for the team where I used to play. he became become a head coach and I was still on the team and uh, I just really enjoy uh, to see him grow as a coach. You know, he, he really learned a lot. He, he's a very humble uh, coach you know. You know, that maybe he doesn't know everything right now, but he he always uh, loves to learn and uh, kind of uh, keep his game, you know, at the high level. And every time, you know, he does maybe has the most money and, you know, has a team to get the, you know, the player or the star player than some team has, but he can always, you know, put a group together. So he's very good at that. And I think all the guys who who play for for him uh, like to play for him and they they know that he has their back and it's very important, you know, when you play. So, to see you know how he grew and where he brings his team right now with uh, like you said the first win in the champions League uh, this week and you know they have the second leg like, next week it's uh, it's great to see and uh, you know having hundred wins uh, with one team it's uh, it's a great achievement so hopefully he can keep going and uh, and go to 150 or 200 uh, very soon.
1: Jim Curtin looks like the like the duck like the guy who on top of the water just looks calm as can be and underneath looks like there might be a frenzy going on. Am I right about that? Is Jim the intense competitor behind the scenes that you kind of expect him to be?
2: He is intense, but I think uh, all intensity was more as a player. I think as a coach, he knows that uh, he has to keep calm and uh, he can't really like get his emotion, like taking the best out of him because you know, sometimes uh you know, it's hard to uh, to keep calm, especially when you're a coach and you have you know some calls or you know, you can be mad at some players but he, he he's always uh you know settled and calm when you talk to him. He he's always a, a very nice uh, nice person to, to talk to. He will never I will say I never really hear him say a bad word, you know, even on the bench, you know, to the referee or anything. So it's uh it's it's kind of nice to see. But I think he's one of the only coach uh, maybe uh, I've been with that uh always uh, keep his cool, and uh, his English was always proper, even if uh, you can see sometimes he, he was a little bit uh, mad about uh, the situation.
1: Even though he's from Philly?
2: <laughs> <laughs> even though, he's uh, example, I know he has, he has a beautiful <laughs> family, he has two daughters and, and kids, and he, uh, I think he, he tried to, uh, to lead by example.
0: At, at the end of the Saprissa game, there was an ugly tackle on Kai Wagner in stoppage time. Uh, one, I was surprised it only got a yellow. Two, I wonder how much does that carry over to the game that will be played at home on Wednesday night? Were you surprised by the call? What did you think of the tackle? And, and in, games yes. like
2: this, uh, in games like this, yeah, does the
0: that ta- the, carry over?
2: Yes, yeah, I mean, the tackle was uh, was really, really bad. You could have, have a red card for sure, but on those games, I know there is no, uh, you know, the VAR, who doesn't exist for those Champions League games, which... Could have been a huge help for the Union because he was definitely a red card, but you can see on the replay, the referee, like, never really see, and he just gives a yellow card, like, so quickly to the player that he cannot really come back to his decision. And after that, you know, the reaction of Glessnets, who tried to, you know, kind of stand up for his body, uh, Wagner, who really, like, jumped high after this tackle, you know, it could have been a, you know, big injury for Wagner. So I think the referee got it wrong, and um, it was hard for him to come back. And after, you know, with all the the brawl and the fight uh, with all the players, it was hard to kind of uh, get, uh, you know, the, the end of it. And it was just at the end of the game. So I feel like it was kind of good to not have maybe uh, as many fans in a stadium you know, because it's usually a, a big environment to play there. So it was in the advantage of the union. But for the second leg, I don't think he... In my ear, I think there is this in the corner of the head. And, you know, the referee is going to be in charge uh, of this game on on Wednesday. Is uh, going to know what happened in the first leg and keep an eye on the player who were you know, involved in this incident.
0: Do they, do they do that? Do they give you a warning before the game? If, if they're on the lookout and say like, we know what happened in the last game, we're going to call this tighter. How do refs generally handle that with players when they it, know there's been an incident before?
2: I mean, I feel like it depends about the referee, you know, and about uh, how the game goes, especially, you know, after maybe 15, 20 minutes in you know, a, in a second game, I feel like if, uh, you know the, there's a lot of uh, tension and lots lot of bad foul usually the referee you know calls uh, the two captains and say hey listen like let's uh you know keep it clean and if uh, you know there's another bad foul like that he's not going to hesitate to uh, give a red card to you know both teams so he try always to to bring first i think the, the captain together you know if he can see that there is bad foul, but uh, usually I think people forgot and, you know, just try to focus on the the game and uh, try to win to qualify.
1: Before we let you go, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask the question. What was it like for you to be the first person inducted into the Ring of Honor for the Union?
2: (laughs) It's uh, it's a question like, yeah, it's a lot of questions people ask me, and uh, my answer is still the same, especially like today. You know, I just retired since, you know, a bit more than two years, three years ago, and uh, I feel I feel like for me it's uh, it's such a huge honor. I'm so humble for it, and uh, I uh, I really like share with this moment because it, it's so nice to be able to uh, just I don't know see see my name in the stadium. Uh, you know, every time I do the broadcast, it's uh, it's very um, you know humble, and uh, I'm so you know uh, happy and glad for all the moment I share uh, with the fans here in the city. But uh, I think. I will definitely have a better perspective of it and take a, a step back maybe you know 10 or 20 years when i'm much older and see uh, that yeah i i was the first one to be inducted i'm sure it will be a much more player to come but um, always to be the first it's uh it's something different and uh, i'm definitely going to, to cherish that for the rest of my life
0: Well, Sebastian, we can't thank you enough for the time. We look forward to seeing you on the broadcast. And I look forward to talking to you more about soccer as everything goes forward. Thanks so much for a little bit of time today.
2: Definitely. I appreciate having me too. And uh, definitely, hopefully, I'll see you soon, guys. Or uh, We talk more and uh, hopefully, you know, stay safe. And uh, we can have, you know, more people in the stadium very soon.
0: We look forward to it. You stay safe. Have a great day.
2: Thank you, you too.
0: Jeff, you get to talk to a, an organization legend who who stays on. And uh you know, it's it's cool. He's he is was the face of the franchise before the first turnover of players and to see him back with the organization now. He obviously retired with the union for a one-day contract after playing with like six or seven teams around the league. He played here twice. Um, but you you were right, you put in our prep doc. He hasn't lost his passion for the sport at all. You can hear it come through the radio, how excited he gets when he talks about soccer. He really, I mean, he's really,
1: he was the face of the union. And I don't know, even today, would you say that there has
0: ever been a bigger face of the union on the pitch? Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, if, if, uh, Brandon Aronson wasn't sold and he was here for longer. I mean, you look at the longevity of the player, the things that the player did while they were here. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find somebody who's meant more to the building of this organization than the Sebastian too Is Jim Curtin the face of the organization right now? I think so. I mean, you, you got some players who are Shabilko and, and some guys like that who are mm-hmm. obviously stars in their own right. Andre Blake, you know, played for their international team. Uh, but I think that right now, Jim Curtin is the face. But look, the Union are making waves. They have the top kit on ESPN for their new design of what they're wearing. They're getting attention. They're playing in the Champions League. They have the chance if they win Tuesday, uh, Wednesday night at home against Saprissa to advance to the round of eight. Yeah. But by the way,
1: with regard to the kit, um, there there are times when I'm getting tired of like the new uniforms. You like, you me. know. But but I do like their uniforms, even though it is the the powderish blue and the yellow. It That's works. Good. It, it works. It's Wh- good Which go. which leads me. This is not soccer related. Oh,
0: you're like, going Red Sox. See, you knew exactly where I, I was knew going exactly with exactly where you were going. The minute For anybody
1: talking. that has not seen it yet, you have got to go online and look at these Red Sox. I don't know what they're not calling them city additions, but sit, they're city something or whatever. They are powder blue and yellow with yellow as the primary color. Explain to me what that has anything to do with the Boston Red Sox
0: and how it looks good at all and who's going to buy it. So apparently it pays tribute to the Boston Marathon. But the second I saw a Red Sox uniform without red, I thought Jeff's going to hate that.
1: Well, and so see how, how does it pay, how does it pay a tribute to cuz cuz okay that's good to know I don't think anybody who looks at it says that I don't I don't see anything on there if they put Boston strong so if they would put Boston and then strong underneath it that would be cool not the colors but that would be cool <laughs> I don't get this at all the
0: funniest part is I judge my life by what will Jeff's reaction be so i see stories I have to tell you you are
1: you have now sunk to a new
0: low i i I see stories (laughs) nobody should be there my life on that first reaction is hmm this will make jeff lose his mind (laughs) really (laughs) i will that's
1: what you thought of when you saw the jersey
0: i thought that you would hate it the second i saw okay so the first thing i thought when i saw it was where's the red the second Oh, okay I so i was the second thought jeff gonna hate it <laughs> and, and, and the joy that you would get as a result of me hating it. i take no joy in you hating it i just find it funny that we've been well did you joking. hate it i i did your own opinion i i i didn't like when the eagles had a yellow and blue jersey years ago but i'm asking you
1: was when you saw it your first reaction was it uh. I I
0: didn't think it was a Red
1: Sox jersey. Right. (laughs) It it doesn't make any sense to me. I do not know what it was. And I don't understand. So if there's a reason, then I apologize. But I don't know the reason that the powder blue and yellow has anything to do with it. Other than, to me, you could better commemorate it by having a nicer looking jersey that says Boston Strong. To me, that would make more sense than what they're doing. Or Boston and then have the Boston Strong patch on the side. This, as they advertised it, as as they revealed it, you just went, ooh, yeah. Well, I wasn't a fan
0: at all. You know what color I do like though? Ooh, the what? green of the Masters grass. We got seven minutes left, and I want to talk some golf. Jeff, you you want to, that's because you have a lawn now.
1: That's why I, I do have, have a lawn now. Me. I like when other it's people. It's not because you play
0: golf. It's because like you have other, a lawn. Now, in fairness, I yeah. did work the grounds crew at a golf course when I was younger. And I did drive the tractor at the driving range. So I do understand caring for a course, but these courses are. Amazing. And Caddyshack was modeled after you, right? Uh, it's in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Look, on a, on day one. You are Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> an even round was good. Or, the, or, or are you the golfer? <laughs> if, if you shot an even round in the first round at yep. Augusta, that got mm-hmm. you 13th place. <laughs> that's that's how hard the course was yesterday. Justin Rose is uh, still at seven under after the second day out on the course. What have you seen out there? Like if you look at it five months ago when they played the Masters in November, the turf was so soft that 53 players were under par after the opening round. Rose shot 65 on Monday on a day that only 12 players broke par. The average score on Monday was 74.5 from these players. Now, we've seen players go lower today, but what's your thought on what we've seen in the initial rounds of golf? So each each of the majors
1: has its own character, and the character of the U.S. Open is, is that all the holes are tough and it's hard to get under par, and that you have to make your moves on on the fi- the par fives. That's not the masters usually. That's what yesterday was, though you basically had to survive. It, it was, it was eating golfers up and you had to survive all of the holes. And if you were going to make a move, you had to make it on the par fives. And, and that's kind of what Justin Rose did. And there were not many people that were able to do it, which is amazing because for years, people have been complaining about Augusta be becoming too short for the golfers. That golfers were just going to start driving the greens. And then you had Bryson DeChambeau who, everybody thought that he was just going to be the favorite in this tournament
2: the right struggle. now
1: he's not well he struggled yesterday he's come back today so i believe he's one under at this point yeah he is he had him he was five under
0: for the deck so, so I put he's six shots back right now going yeah, with the third day right so not a bad they, place to be
1: well i'd rather be minus seven after of course days, but but you, the good news for people is is that you now have the Masters, you have your lovely greens. And I was there two years. It really is one of the most beautiful places. I mean, to me, you don't have to play Augusta. If you get the chance, just go walk around,
0: I'll walk I've, the course. I find the CBS Masters music, Say, Masters. <laughs> the tradition like any other music. Is you, just love, like, you love all of those themes. I always. do. You, see, you don't, do, is it that you don't like or that you don't pay attention to? Like, I pay attention to the the music that goes with these programs so like when i tell you i like the sunday night football music or the nhl hockey is coming back to espn and it's like i remember that i know you've been so
1: excited about the nhl hockey theme song like did, did you listen to all the theme songs of like every sitcom too
0: Look, if we haven't made clear in almost six years on this show, I didn't yeah. really have the biggest life going on when I was younger. I watched a lot. Is of that a yes? <laughs> well, no, I'm,
1: I'm talking about regular sitcoms. Like, like, are you just a theme song person? Like, no. To, I... to me, there's certain. That, so you're right. There are certain things that trigger it. Like the old NBC sports football. I can hear like when it comes on, it reminds me of my childhood when I was watching those football games. The the CBS the NCAA tournament just kind of, you know, the second you hear it, you get excited about yep. it. So there are those moments, but, but it's not what I look forward to. It's just kind of there. And it's like going to a ballpark. The, the smells of the ballpark is, is, is kind of there and you go, ah, but I don't sit there and go,
0: that's what I'm looking for. The funny thing about that is yeah, you and your son pay very close attention to the walk-up music. At those games. Yes, we do. (laughs) Because that was always a question you had us ask the minor leaguers. What will your walk-up music be when you Mm meet majors? So you do pay attention to some music. You know who didn't want to have spectators at the golf course yesterday, Jeff? Who? Rory McIlroy's dad. Oh, no, no. (laughs)
1: No. Well, he didn't. He shouldn't have been one of the spectators is how it should have been.
0: (laughs) Nothing says happy Father's Day and I love you like whacking your dad in the leg with a golf ball right? Well, the good, Uh, the good news is it was just his leg. So it's a funny story.
1: (laughs) Should he have been
0: standing there? Was it his fault?
1: (laughs) No. I mean, look, you're standing on, it is amazing. So I don't know. Have you ever been to a golf tournament? Yes. Like a professional golf tournament. Not in a
0: long time. Okay.
1: It really is dangerous, but it's a danger that nobody accepts because if you watch a golf tournament, Let's say when you saw Tiger Woods hit a ball off the fairway into like the the rough stuff, everybody runs around it, lines up next to it, and there's a corridor for him to hit it through that's about four feet wide.
0: (laughs) Now, if you've ever hit a golf ball. If if it was me hitting and I shanked it, it would take out all the people in the right of that corridor. but,
1: But here's the thing. I've been to lots of practice rounds. Even the pros shank them a lot in those practice rounds. And it is not the safest place to be on the sides when there's a golf ball going. But
0: we trust these guys and just accept that they're that good. So you didn't go stand there. You didn't like make the the gallery. No, no, I, no. I went far back. Actually, it was <laughs> raining when you went there, so I don't know. Oh, for the Masters, the yeah. But I'm going to Kiwa Island in, uh in about a month to go to the PGA. Something to watch this weekend is the weather and see how that impacts the way the course plays and everything. Fifteen seconds. Any final words, Jeff? Uh, I just love the music for the Masters. Go golf. Thanks so much for joining us this week. <laughs> Make sure to join us next Friday night to you start your weekend in style. Have you a great one. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> bye bye.